Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Happy Friday. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. We're so glad to have you here for another episode of this wonderful show. And uh, hope If we don't say so ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> this wonderful show. I do say so myself. I'm never afraid to toot my own horn, Brian, as you know well. Right on. Ne- neither are you. <laughs> So we encourage horn tooting here on this show. Uh, Brian, what do you think about this? Was sex better under communism? Oh, oh my. <laughs> wow. Some people are saying it was in Eastern European uh, bloc countries. That's out of left field. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a little bit of a red journalism, too. <laughs> yeah. It is out of left field. Let me read you a little bit red of this. journalism. I haven't heard that term in like. 20 years. Wow. I don't know. I was just trying to think of like communist puns, but All it's right. no it's no laughing matter. This is not something to joke about. I mean, people died, you know, people were impoverished greatly. Sure. But yet some people are still clinging to the idea that uh sex and life in general was was better under oh, yeah. communism. So I, I've talked to I mean, so New York, particularly upstate New York yes. was a lot of your kind of eastern bloc countries, a lot of immigrants from there yep. and even from Russia itself. Uh, particularly ones that were originally, say, Christian or something like that, mm-hmm. the, in, which is ironic in itself because Christianity wasn't exactly looked upon very, very kindly. Mm-hmm. Um, they came over uh, and, and like they settled a lot of them in, in upstate New York. And I would talk to them and most of them like they miss it. They didn't want to leave. Like they they really. Oh, Why yeah. the heck did they come? Well, I mean, they, they were sort of forced to either because of Christianity or something like that. But as far as communism itself, they kind of liked it. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's all sides. I mean, yeah. My first thought is like, oh, that can't possibly be true. You could find um, ways to be happy in life, even in the bleakest circumstances, right? Even if you're sure. standing in bread lines, you can enjoy some things in life like sex, right? Sex, oh, yeah. you, they can't take that away from you, right? They can take everything else. <laughs> they can take your farm. They can take your land, but they can't take sex away right. from you yet. Uh, but I mean, people have a very different perspective on this. So let's let's read a couple of experts. This is from the uh, the New York Times excerpts. Sorry, not experts. Uh, why women had better sex under socialism. Oh, well, they say socialism. <laughs> yeah. uh, when Americans think of communism in Eastern Europe, they imagine travel restrictions, bleak, bleak landscapes of gray concrete, miserable men and women languishing in long lines to shop in empty markets, and security services snooping on the private lives of citizens. 
Yep, that's what I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that, I mean, I didn't live during that time, so all I have to go on is reading about it, right? So right. I'm sure those, the things I read were biased. But anyway, let's continue. While much of this was true, our collective stereotype of communist life does not tell the whole story. Some might remember that Eastern Bloc women enjoyed many rights and privileges unknown in liberal democracies at the time, including major state investments in their education and training, their full incorporation into the labor force, generous maternity leave allowances, and guaranteed free child care. But there's one advantage that received little attention. Women under communism enjoyed more sexual pleasure. A comparative sociological study of East and West Germans conducted after reunification in 1990 found that Eastern women had twice as many orgasms as Western women. Researchers marveled at this disparity in reported sexual satisfaction, especially since East German women suffered from the notorious double burden of formal employment and housework. In contrast, post-war West German women had stayed home and enjoyed all the labor-saving devices produced by the roaring capitalist economy, but they had less sex and less satisfying sex than women who had to line up for toilet paper. How to account for this facet of life behind the Iron Curtain? Consider Anna Dersheva from Bulgaria, who was 65 when I first met her in 2011. Having lived her first 43 years under communism, she often complained that the new free market hindered Bulgarians' ability to develop healthy, amorous relationships. Sure, some things were bad during that time, but my life was full of romance, she said. After my divorce, I had my job and my salary, and I didn't need a man to support me. I could do as I pleased. Mr. Sheva was a single mother for many years, but she insisted that her life before 1989 was more gratifying than the stressful existence of her daughter, who was born in the late 1970s. All she does is work and work, Ms. Dersheva told me in 2013. <laughs> and when she comes home at night, she's too tired to be with her husband. But it doesn't matter because he's tired, too. They sit together in front of the television like zombies. When I was her age, we had much more fun. So that's a little anecdote, but it's supposed to illustrate, you know, what what was going on for these women under yeah. communism. Supposedly they had the state that they were able to rely on that did uh, a lot of the ha- that tried to take up the burden of some of the household chores like childcare and made it so they didn't have to depend on a man because they had their salary guaranteed or, or whatever. Um, and she says this led to more freedom for her. Well, so first off... And then there's that study with the orgasms in East and West Germany. Twice as many orgasms in East Germany? Yeah. So, okay, a couple things. One is is that actually communist countries were very colorful, uh, as I understand it. Because, like, I mean, just you look at their artwork. Their artwork is just loaded with colors. Way more color than... Uh, maybe you haven't looked at, at communist art. Well, when art. I picture communist art, I picture... <laughs> I picture those posters, you know, in that style with the hammer and sickle and the like black, white and red are the only colors of ink that they used. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, now like it's it's been a rage for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years of like all of this art that's kind of been smuggled over. In fact, there's a lot of very pornographic art uh, that was very popular at the time. So there's a lot of confusion over that. And look, I'm not a communist. I'm, I'm just saying, let, let's, let's express the reality here. Yeah. Uh, so no, it was very colorful. Like I, I want to try to get beyond the, the bias. I know this is really hard to do because inherently we're talking about a political thing, but like, yeah. I feel like 
I probably have some stereotypes of communism, just like people who grew up under communism had stereotypes about capitalism, that it was all terrible and people just work themselves to the bone and are selling their kidneys and their babies just to stay alive and everything sure. like that. You know, so I want to sort of get to the bottom of some of those. Well, so what I mean, one of the things, one of the there's there's two there's there's one that's not a byproduct. One's supposed to be the point and the other's a byproduct of this. The byproduct of, of like communism, socialism and all that is is atheism. And so you do get rid of the moral quandary, the religious, the religious, the religious prohibitions on sex. Exactly. And those are gone. sexual shame. Yeah. Right. So those are gone. Good. OK. Um, I mean, even though they just replaced the religion with the state, but whatever. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the state doesn't shame you about sex, because if you have babies out of wedlock, they'll take take care of them. Right. Now, the argument for communism is that. So, so I mean, like, you know, speaking of, uh, of phantasms in the mind of what people think about when it comes to communism is the idea that like communism is, is against the is anti-individual. Like it's all about groupthink and all this different stuff. If you ask actual communists, no, the idea is, is that the individual can't actually flourish unless their basic needs, unless they don't have to worry about their basic needs. Anymore. Right. Okay, that's that's the thing people forget that they don't realize that that that, that's like that's the underlying concept. Whether that worked or not is a completely different story, but it is pro individual. Uh, You know, I mean, you're just you're dead wrong if you're saying communism isn't uh, isn't concerned with the individual at all. Uh, It's quite the opposite. But regardless. So but I mean, when you have that in mind, I mean, yeah, if you're not worried about your clothes and you're not worried about if you're not worried about anything, your mind instantly goes to sex. I mean, fuck, yeah. in, In some ways, I feel like I had. Not better sex because the the boys didn't know what they were doing at that age. But I feel like in some ways I had better sex in high school because it was just like there was nothing going on in my life. That was like the only fun thing I could do to like entertain myself, you know. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So and now it's like I'm an adult. I pay my own bills. You know, I have a job. I have a business. You know, I do all kinds of shit. And sometimes it's like. At the end of the day, yeah, I am too tired for sex, you know? Yeah, right, right, sure. So I feel like you can make that argument in a simpler time if you don't have to worry about a lot of stuff. If you're, like, living with your parents and taken care of, which is kind of like what communism tried to emulate with the state taking care of people, you know, maybe that maybe sex was the only fun thing they could do to entertain themselves. That said, it's not hard to beat, it's not hard to beat the, um, shall we say, the intercourse rates in most Western countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's not like a, it's not a tall order to, to try and best. That's true. I, I just think there's a, there's something there in this that I, yeah. I maybe want to explore deeper, but we're kind of out of time and we got some really interesting stuff to talk about. So stay tuned. There's more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Sharks that swim all the way from Cape Cod to Portugal. Whoa. Hey, everybody. I just want to put in a little plug for something. Have you joined our Sex and Science Hour podcast community Facebook group yet? Now, if you have and you're sick of me saying this, feel free to fast forward about 30 seconds. It'll all be over with. But if you haven't, we would love to have you there because there's some lively discussion. People post articles. They are discussed. They sometimes come up on the show. People post their relationship questions and they can get advice from more than just us. So Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. And um, you'll have to answer a question to get in. But don't worry, it's a really easy question. (laughs) So we hope to see you there. Now back to the show. This is Sex and Science Hour. I tease this 
Um, now, there's, there's not really that much to talk about here, but it's interesting, right? Because this is an animal that everybody's fascinated by. Great white sharks. Who doesn't? Who isn't interested in sharks? They're one of the most interesting animals there is. Sure, absolutely. So, but not very much is known about their behavior. So, there was a study done that, and and by the way, this comes from iflscience.com. Not my favorite source, but you know, no source is really very good yeah. unless it's your own eyes. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I feel like you could talk about anything, but anyway, um, there was a study done by some scientists where they tracked they somehow they tagged 31 uh great white sharks mm-hmm. with radio tags that showed their GPS location. And then they tracked them over the course of 4 or 5 years from 2009 to 14 or something like that. Yeah, 2009 to 2014. And I'm sorry, it was 32 sharks. And they found that the sharks do swim up and down the coastline of North America like they were thought to before. Everybody knew that, that they kind of go north for the summer and south for the winter, like staying along the coast of, you know, Florida, Georgia and South Carolina, stuff like that, and the Bahamas during the winter. But what they didn't know that they found out was that some of these sharks were making like 2,500 mile trips from Cape Cod in the U.S. and Massachusetts to the Portuguese islands of the Azores. They were literally swimming all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. And not only that, but sometimes they were diving to depths of 3,700 feet. Now, only a small amount of sunlight penetrates beyond uh, about 700 feet. And by uh, 3,000 feet, there is no light at all in most parts of the world. That means great whites are swimming around in the pitch black, aphotic, or midnight zone of the Atlantic. What the fuck are they doing down there? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, to, to even to even consider, it's it's amazing that an animal could migrate, it, like could swim, um, you know, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and back, and somehow find their way back. I mean, you were saying when we first read this article that they must be following some kind of jet streams, right? They must be following the currents. And they did hint at that in the article, that they might be following sort of temperatures to, yeah. to make these trips, yeah. including the deep dives. But why they do it and what they're doing down there and what they're doing in the Azores is maybe they're going for a vacation. Maybe they're just going <laughs> to their second home. <laughs> well, that's the part that's hard for me to believe. I mean, it's happening, obviously. But the part that's tough for me to grasp is like what? Why would something evolve to make a trip like that? I mean, that's an insane trip. I know. You, you know, you would think they could find sources of food. You know, they wouldn't have to migrate that far to find sources of food. You were saying, Brian, maybe they're really old or they can live to be really old. And they it's like a learned behavior. Well, that's so. OK, so this is something that I wondered that I theorized about it was that because you have the Greenland shark, which now we know the Greenland shark can live up to like 400, 500 years. Mm -hmm. Now it's not a great white, but what if there are great whites that live that long? And what happens is, is they go off to die, you know, in the middle of the Atlantic, you know, like on, on one of the, you know, midway on one of these trips or something. And there's like some wild, you know, uh, great white shark necropolis in, in the middle of, uh, you know, the, of the Atlantic. Uh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm baffled. Like, I can't imagine you would evolve to do this unless you had a really, really long, 
uh, lifespan, mm. which is well. The other theory is that maybe it's climate change. So these scientists were trying to see how climate change affects their migration patterns. And since we've never observed any other patterns before this, we really don't know what they were doing before. But we can look into the future and see what they do next. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it, like it's not. I mean, it's not crazy. Polar bears can swim for miles. I mean, you know, speaking of, I guess, climate change and all that. Mm. Uh, but I mean, this is just. Like, I I really cannot grasp how to even do that. And even, even to survive... That would survive, be like walking across the entire continent of Eurasia or something, you know? It's a crazy long yeah, trip. Yeah, I, I mean, it just, it, it blows it blows my mind, like, that that, that you would even think to do that uh, or, or have the instinct to do that. And I'm guessing the only thing I could figure, I mean, they're going so deep, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, they, ha- they can handle the cold, but you're not going to handle that much cold. They must be swimming along, like, so in, in the ocean, you have what are called uh, black smokers which is like with these little breaks in, in the, the, the crust. crust. Yeah. Right. Where the magma the layers kind of out from the inside of the earth. Yeah, exactly. And ma- I mean, maybe they're running along those. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it's just that, that isn't, that is absolutely insane. I mean, we've, I know we've, we've found or not, I shouldn't say that the sharks themselves weren't old, but like a lot of these sharks, when they cut them open, they'll have like, you know, ancient, or not ancient, artifacts but, inside yeah they'll be like it's artifacts like they'll be like spanish bottle. armor from like the 14th century or something yeah. i mean there'll be all this crazy shit inside of them uh i mean this is really really weird uh yeah I, well they I could be used to maybe retrieve stuff that's down there i don't know what if you could train them well anyway speaking of instincts yeah I have one more story i want to get in in the segment Please. real quick to okay this is bizarre to avoid inbreeding our ancestors may have had their own ancient dating networks what they're saying here, this is an article from QZ, they're saying that ancient humans may have purposely avoided inbreeding. Really? Um, yeah, research published last week in the journal Science points to the possibility that our ancient ancestors may not have may have not only understood the dangers of inbreeding, but may have implemented complex systems of mating exchange between larger networks of tribes in order to avoid it. So basically, they found a grave site where there was a family buried. And it was a man and a woman and two children. But the man and the woman were not uh, genetic. They analyzed their genomes. They were not like cousins, (laughs) which they kind of would be Mm. if they had lived in the same tribe. They were distant, you know, way more distantly related than that. Okay. So they were not genetically similar. And so what they're theorizing is that ancient humans, you know, there may have been a lot of exchange between distant tribes. And there, there was a lot of migration, obviously, right, mm-hmm. as people went out of Africa, supposedly. I, I mean, I don't know. We, we, nobody really knows. But there was probably a lot of exchange between different tribes of people. People didn't necessarily stay within their own tribe. There was a lot of mixing around between different tribes. That is interesting. So, so I mean, they're just saying inbreeding wasn't happening. Well, they're not saying it wasn't happening. So they had a, a Neanderthal from around 50,000 years ago that was sequenced in 2008 that suggested that he was inbred or it was inbred. Uh-huh. And actually, people speculate, some people speculate that that might have been one of the factors that led to the extinction of Neanderthals. However, there were other hominids. Well, so they're saying that other hominids may not have known about the inbreeding thing, that it was bad, and may not have tried to avoid it, but Homo sapiens did, or what became Homo sapiens did, 
what became us knew about it and avoided it. So genetic diversity is good <laughs> because it protects you from stuff. You know, it's it gives you a diverse immune system that can fight off right. lots of different pathogens. That's why people are attracted to folks who are genetically different from them. And that could include being of a different race, but it doesn't have to. It could include someone who looks kind of similar to you. But now they're saying that, yeah, at least some hominids did know about the inbreeding taboo and perhaps enforce it. That is fascinating. I mean, did they like swipe left with the bone of a, of a tyrannosaur or something? Yes, and- <laughs> that's exactly what they did. <laughs> I mean, they probably had like shamans or something who were matchmakers, I'm guessing. I could believe that. I mean, and, and to some degree, you know, I think ancient humans are our ancestors I think they were way more in touch with a lot of subtle cues. Totally, that, that we smarter had. than we give them credit for. And I mean, I mean, I think they figured out a lot of stuff about sanitation as well that we don't give yes. them credit for. Oh yeah, which was reflected in religious laws later on. Some groups of humans, yes, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Even though they didn't know about germs and microbes. Yeah. All right, fascinating stuff. There's more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Keep it locked right here. Woo. Never said keep it locked right here before. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want to lock you guys down, but I do want to offer you things of value. And one of the things I have to offer you is lesbian audiobooks. Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. I am an audiobook narrator and I love to narrate lesbian romance. I have a lot of books in that genre coming out um, that are going to be out before the end of the year. But one of the most recent ones that I want to draw your attention to is called The Guardian Angel by Bridget Essex. What if you had a guardian angel and your guardian angel was not only looking out for you, but was also very sexy and you had a crush on her? Oh my. Well, you'll have to check it out. This is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Stupid angels. Man, I... That was a sexy book. I I love doing that book. I'll tell you, that's one of the hottest things is just imagining demons and angels getting it on. Oh, Oh, you love art that that has that theme in it. Yeah. Okay, so we're on kind of a, <laughs> I guess we're on kind of a prepper kick here. Uh, we were talking about sex under communism. In this, in the, the third <laughs> segment here, we're going to talk about some tips of what to do if you feel too gassy for sex, but you're still horny. How to have a romantic evening when you got the farts. We Russians know how to fix this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Now, hey, Russians are not the only culture that farts by any means. In fact, you probably fart less in the cold, or you can smell it less. Anyway. In Russia, methane farts you. <laughs> I lo- You know, I love a good fart joke. I just don't get it when people don't think it's funny, like farts oh, and yeah. fart jokes and assorted humor of that nature. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on, we all do it. We can all relate. Let it rip. So this is, yeah, let it rip. <laughs> this is what to do. If you're too bloated for sex, but you still feel horny. We've all been there, right? Says Vanessa Marin from Lifehacker. (laughs) This is from Lifehacker, by the way. Man, this is some great journalism. Oh, yeah. Going to hack the the colon here. (laughs) Ready to leap into bed, but concerned about the ominous rumblings in your stomach? Here's how to prevent bloating gas or food babies from ruining an otherwise sexy evening. Number one, get that gas out. Try to get as much gas out of your body before you getting as you can before getting down. Excuse yourself to go to the restroom or your bedroom for a few minutes. If you have some privacy, let it rip. 
If you're worried about your sex partner hearing your rectal cacophony, try holding some toilet paper against your butthole to dampen the sound. I have totally done that trick before. I thought of it myself. I didn't need no advice to tell me about it. <laughs> Haven't you ever done that in the bathroom or like if you're in a if you're in a bathroom with like two stalls uh-huh. and there's like you and one other person in there and you're like, oh my God, I have this is gonna be really loud, but I just wanna be considerate. You take a piece of toilet paper and you just kind of it's like it's like when you're playing the trumpet and they have that little muffler that you put over the trumpet thing what? to like damn That the works? Sound. Yes. It does. If you do it right, you can't put it on too tightly because then it's just like it's just like holding it in. But you just loosely put it against your butt and then you let it out gradually. <laughs> and it's very silent. Okay. I <laughs> If you can get down onto the floor, they say, try out the yoga pose called wind relieving pose, which is, I'll tell yeah. you this, because I'm a yoga master. <laughs> no, not, not a yoga master, but I love yoga. Um, you lay down on the floor, put your legs straight out in front of you, um, you know, on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then you bend one knee and you bring your knee into your chest. So it's basically like a sort of a jackknife, like as though you were jumping into a pool in a jackknife pose, but you're lying down on the floor. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, can't you just do ch- like child's pose does it for me. I go into child's, child's pose, pose and, downward dog. Yeah, those are all popular ones. Just, yeah. You know, anything that kind of gets the air in your colon to shift because mm. air bubbles will float upwards. So you have to put your butt upwards and then the bubbles will float toward the exit. So, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know what else this is going to list off. Um, we can keep going. Uh, if you're out in public, try massaging your stomach in a clockwise direction, which should provide some intestinal relief. That basically moves the contents of your colon out toward the rectum. Okay, that's good advice. If gas is coming out the other end, try pushing out as many loud burps as you can while you're on your own. You can also pop some antacids, chew ginger, or take Pepto-Bismol. If smell is a concern, try lighting a strong-smelling candle. Oh, these are just good housekeeping chips. Yeah, shit. Don't body shame Just yourself. Don't fart into the candle. <laughs> yeah, that that could cause an updraft there. <laughs> don't body shame yourself. We're all guilty of being host to food babies every now and then. Being bloated can be embarrassing, but you don't have to avoid sex just because you feel a little Rubenesque. Well, Rubenesque is fat, not bloated. (laughs) If you find yourself fighting self-consciousness in the moment, acknowledge the reality of the choice in front of you. Am I really going to turn down a night of passion with this gorgeous person because I'm worried about the size of my belly? Really? Nope. (laughs) And that's totally true. Like, ladies, real talk for a second. You know about this. You, You go to a party or you go somewhere, you go out somewhere unexpectedly you meet someone you're like hmm they're very attractive i think i want to hook up with them but i didn't shave my legs today oh my (laughs) god are you really gonna let that stop you no no (laughs) don't go don't give up on sex because you don't feel perfectly ready for it or groomed yeah you can always work around that and you know probably the other person is not going to notice just saying Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't care. (laughs) You know? All right. The next tip. Don't do oral. If you're holding in farts for dear life, for the love of all that is good in this world, please don't let your partner go down on you. That's just cruel. Or anal. Ditto. (laughs) Don't do oral or anal. You know, another thing that that works here, because I'm not hearing it. I mean, just doing doing a few squats real quick will usually get out just about anything you've got going on. Yeah, squats. 
there's that samurai posture too, right? Where well, that helps you. Shit. You're having trouble going to the bathroom. You sit on the toilet and you cross your left. Uh, what is it? Is it your left leg? I think it's either leg. You just okay. put the leg up over, you know, the other knee. You're, you, you cross know, your ankle over your knee, basically. Yes, exactly. And then you try it again. That's what Samurai did to shit. Yeah. So <laughs> We got that, Brian. <laughs> right. We got it. <laughs> just making sure if the picture wasn't in your head. I want you to picture that. Everybody's that picturing 200 a... 200 pounds of armor. Everybody's picturing a pooping Samurai. But, I mean, everybody poops, so, you, you know, we might Even... as well. Um, <laughs> even the samurai, <laughs> even the samurai, they were not immune to anything. They're still human. Um, avoid dangerous positions. Being on the receiving end of doggy style or reverse cowgirl is way too risky. If you're gassy, you might want to avoid positions that require your body to be bent over or that put a lot of weight on your belly. On the other hand, some people like pressure when they have an upset stomach. You know your body best. Try to stay in positions that don't require a ton of effort on your part. <laughs> Spooning on your sides is a safe, easy position. Try facing the same direction or facing each other. If there's too much pressure in your stomach for intercourse and you're polite enough to spare your partner a potential fart to the face during oral, you can still have a good time by masturbating in front of each other, getting each other off with your hands, or using sex toys. The novelty of getting off in new ways might help you forget about the poltergeist residing in your bowels. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just let it rip. I mean, come on. Well, that's her next tip. She says, ignore it or laugh it off. Yeah. Even, even with your best efforts, some sound might slip out. If your intestinal rumblings aren't too loud, just ignore them. No need to ruin the moment with a long, stuttering explanation of your mild gluten intolerance. <laughs> if you find yourself getting distracted, you might find it better to simply acknowledge the noises. Sorry about that, or just ignore that, and move on like it's no big deal. We're all human, and part of being human is farting, burping, and just generally making odd noises and sounds. It's natural to be embarrassed for a moment, but don't let it ruin your entire interaction. If you're with someone new, think of this experience as a litmus test. A good partner will laugh it off with you instead of guilting exactly. you or shaming you. But if you really dropped a deadly one, you can't blame your partner for sprinting out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That last bit is is the whole thing. I mean, if they're it's worth a the test, salt, yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It you, you have to be able to talk about this stuff with your partner. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to be you have to be able to acknowledge that you're all human. We're all human beings here. Everybody has gas. Everybody makes noises. It's just a part of life. Are we really going to let it ruin our fun and ruin our good time? Nope, I don't think so. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, if I've got a student offer, I don't care what the hell happens. Like, I, you know, I want to be able to get off. And of course, I want the person, you know, that I'm with g getting off. And everything. They may not even notice it, you know? Yeah. I <laughs> you mean, might be so it, conscious of something. Right. And if it, it smells, I mean, shit, who cares? I, I I'm you shouldn't even have to do anything about this. Yeah. Just let it fly. <laughs> All right. You heard it here first, folks. Ah, we're in the fourth segment now. I mean, I thought that was a good article. It's like, it's very self-accepting, you know. Yeah. It's encouraging pleasure and not shame. You know, I mean, really, like, one of the, my initial reasons for getting into working out was because, like, you'll just blow, like, if you have gas for the day. You'll get it all out during that workout. I mean, it's guaranteed. And 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 you won't have a problem the rest of the day. You know? So just fucking work out. Get all that get it all out at, at that point in time and then you're one ready to go. One of the many benefits of exercise. Oh, there's tons of them, but that's one of them, man. When you start doing burpees, I mean, it, there is no gas. Is that left why in they're that called body. burpees cuz they burp you? 
I, I don't make know. you burp. Okay. I don't know. I think it's some crazy Australian thing. Well, exercise does get get your digestion moving, but you know, if you, some folks can't exercise for whatever reason, well, you that's know, true. If you can't, then you know, there's other ways you can manage it. That's right. Anyway, uh, okay. I mean, what if it's a shark though? Like that's gonna suck. Like that's the only thing that I'm thinking is that if somebody you know is like, all right, I'll just let this rip, and you're like reverse cowgirl, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh fuck <laughs> yeah i mean that's really awkward yeah I, <laughs> I mean that that's a test well they said avoid they said avoid reverse cowgirl if you that's, really have to go all right so that's the one piece of advice i definitely recommend maybe 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 steer steer clear of that because that could be i don't know all right we got a listener email we need to get to <laughs> right, Brian. This. this is very important all right let's get serious <laughs> listener email has dating gotten worse? This is from I'm a Listener. I heard this article being discussed on another show, and I wanted your thoughts. Would you think it would be received differently if it was written by a man instead of a woman? And this is an article called, I've gotten blown off by men so much that I'm literally questioning everything. By single AF Amy Horton. <laughs> um, that's the author. And it's kind of a listicle article here, but basically... She's complaining about a lot of things that I hear a lot of people complaining about. I can't even get a date from a guy. The dating scene has gotten worse and worse. Uh, Tinder has ruined romance. Um, there are so many available options that guys don't try at all. They just move on at the first tiny little problem. Men decide I'm too much work. I demand common courtesy, and therefore I'm considered a pain in the ass. Women have low standards these days. Um, guys are shocked when I want them to give me respectful treatment. Even when I think things are going well, I get ghosted. I get tossed aside so frequently that it's messing with my confidence. I like who I am, but it seems that most guys don't. I try not to take rejection personally, but I do have feelings, and it makes me feel small and invisible to be passed over so frequently. So this is these are complaints that I've heard frequently from other people sure. who are actively dating. They they say that Tinder has all my single friends say that Tinder has ruined dating and relationships. But yet they all use Tinder. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's cuz they don't have a choice, but the point I'm trying to make is that I hear those complaints so frequently that why aren't the people who feel that way why why don't the people who feel that way date each other? Right. Ah. Well, so it seems you need, like, like everybody hates Tinder and everybody loves to hate on the status of dating these days. So there are enough people who feel that way that I feel like they should be finding each other. So someone needs to make an app called Hate Tinder or I Hate Tinder. Yeah. And then people can sign up for that if yeah, they hate Tinder. That's right. It's and called Match.com. Yeah. <laughs> then they can hook up. <laughs> it was around before Tinder. Yeah. In fact. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do I think dating's ruined for all of the, for many of those reasons anyway? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really do. I mean, and, and something. You very, do? Why, why do you think it's ruined and what's different? Well, there's a couple things. One is, look, there is so much to do in a human lifetime now. You know, that's not even sex. That's why we need sex under communism, Brian. Damn right. We'll have nothing to do except <laughs> wait in line for toilet paper. Yeah. I'm right. just kidding, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but really, I mean, like. Like, there's a lot of guys who would rather play video games than get their fuck on, 
you know, or like it. True. Well, this is too hard. There's a I'll lot of guys who would rather games. watch porn than get their. Fuck there's on. that's another thing. There is a there's or so is it just because they can't find a willing partner? So they're like, okay, well, I guess I'll watch porn instead. No, I I think there's a lot of people who feel look, it, it's having another human in my life is is too stressful. It's just too much work. It's just too much work. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a point there for sure. Yeah, yeah. people want instant gratification, and you know. Sure. The, the the expectations are different, I think. Yeah, they, I mean, evolving. Right. The other thing is is that the bulk of the social networks that we have, not just Tinder, uh don't lend themselves to having anything deeper any kind of deeper meaningful relationship uh or a relationship that you could even count on. You know, uh, what I mean by that is that you might not get an immediate response. Not that you need to get an immediate response for something that you say, but like the way things work now, it's not like a phone call where somebody answers or they don't. And you would immediately have like your friend's ear or something, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there, there really are a lot, the ways, the ways that humans interact today are genuinely very different. Um, I'm not saying they're better because there's no guarantee that technology makes a better world, only that it makes a different world. Um, and, and things are different because of this. I mean, they, they just, they, they really are, you know, I mean, human, human desires and a lot of that are very much the same. They're still looking for that dopamine rush and everything else, but things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you got? Well, I'm just thinking like I've used online dating in the past, but not for a while because Mm -hmm. I've had relationships for a while and I haven't, you know, needed to seek out online dating because I haven't been looking for a partner that way. Right. Um, I feel like maybe we're not the best people to ask because we've been in a relationship since before Tinder came out. <laughs> right. And, you know, so we're not really using it. I mean, I, I admit I downloaded Tinder at one point, but I literally used it for nothing more than to look at pretty girls and swipe while I was on the toilet. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I never met anyone from Tinder. I got a few matches and, you know, I never really even messaged them. It just, you know, like oftentimes I would match with somebody and neither one of us would message each other. It was like, okay, we got the dopamine hit. That's all we came for. You know, yeah. we matched. That's it. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I think people have always kind of lied to each other, but now like a lot of them are really lying to each other as far as what they are. And look, folks, I just want to put this out as a PSA. Okay. There are, there are social networks that are invite only. And you only get invited by having like 2 million Instagram followers and all this. Oh, forget it. I'm a long way off. I don't even have an Instagram. <laughs> if you are tr- if you are thinking that you're going to use some kind of dating app or site or something, and you're going to find some millionaire or some like really sexy doctor or some of this other horse shit, it's not happening. Okay. Like these people are all, you know, the quote unquote elites, whatever that means are all using their I mean this isn't this isn't a secret. They're not on Tinder. They're not on Tinder. <laughs> they're not yeah, they're not on Tinder. They're not on mash.com. They have their own sites. Well, forget about like the the elite sexy doctors. I'm saying I think that a lot of regular people who would make great relationship partners have thrown up their hands in disgust and left Tinder <laughs> or, sure. or refused to use it. So yeah, I mean maybe that leads to a problem where a lot of the people on there are not going to be great are not going to be what you're looking for i I won't say they're bad people or bad partners but they're Mm -hmm. just not what you're looking for if you're looking for a serious relationship and you know that's part of what goes with the territory with any dating app is you have to sort through a lot of crap to get to the to find the diamond in the haystack or whatever the diamond in the rough the needle in the haystack (laughs) diamond in the haystack but i think um one of the things the question asker was wondering about with this article was that 
This is ostensibly written by a woman, and she's complaining that she can't get a boyfriend. Now, often you hear men complaining, I can't get any attention from women. And she's saying a lot of the, the conventional advice. A lot of the conventional advice that people get when they're single is, well, just be happy being single. Be happy with yourself. Work on yourself. And a relationship will come along when you're just not expecting it. She says, I am very happy except when it comes to love. It definitely does affect me sometimes. I want romance in my life. I don't need it, but I want it. And sure, that's a totally fair counter to that advice, right? It's like, it's not that easy to just be happy with being single. You don't stop wanting a relationship if you're single, if you want one, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that was interesting. And then um, she says, guys just it seems like too much effort like they're not willing to put in the effort and that's another complaint that i hear a lot yeah well i mean again there's so many there's so many resources now to where a guy can just get his rocks off another way like why get into a relationship when you can you can come anyway you know and and you have endless stimulation with so many you know so many other things well for companionship for connection for yeah but i think for a lot of guys they don't they they don't want that they Mm. well i mean i think there are people out there who do want that they just might not be on dating apps so you might have to start looking in other places i don't know yeah Uh, interesting article hey we're done for tonight but there's more coming up on the after show so stay tuned this has been sex and science hour sex and science hour.com visit our website you just heard sex and science hour game over play again next week stuff.sexandsciencehour.com if you hear about an item on our after show and you want to get one for yourself. And we'll even talk about some items that we got um, that we liked on Amazon as well. And you can get that from stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Now, what do people get this week on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com? Well, a book that was very important to me. This book was the book that... I had my aha moment while I was listening to the audiobook at work in the lab where I used to work. And I realized that I had to quit and make a career change. And the book is The Four Hour Work Week Escape the Nine to Five, Live Anywhere, Join the New Rich by Tim Ferriss. Have you listened to this book, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. What do you. Yeah, I'm very You look like you wanted to book. say something, but you were holding back. What no, did you want to well, say? I. I can see where there's things that you can take from it. There's an attitude, I think, that you can take away from it that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Tim Ferriss is a scumbag. Like, I, I mean, he, ah, he that's is... That's why you were... Yeah. Yeah, he is an absolute scumbag. Uh, and I think a lot of what he schleps and puts out there, it's all fads. It's all bullshit. It's all crap. Well, he, he's, yeah, he's a marketer. And yeah. And he made his fortune making selling some supplement that was like, you know, he had an 800 million percent 
keystone on it yeah (laughs) i mean i don't think he's i think he's clever i don't think he's intelligent though and those are two different things um you know i mean you could just you can listen to his podcast and yeah he has experts on he has no clue what the fuck they're saying i mean like he this guy Mm, that's disappointing yeah i mean in my opinion i I think this guy's just he's a goof i agree i mean i remember a part of the book that's that said something like his girlfriend was mad at him so he like he's talking about outsourcing everything yeah somebody his girlfriend was mad at him so he had his assistant like send her flowers and a note like cringe oh my god you're not even gonna do it yourself that's like one thing you really don't want to outsource and the assistant's probably like out of india yeah exactly she's gonna know it's from your assistant right? right so yeah i mean i don't i don't claim to really I don't really like him personally, but he said something in the book that really resonated with me and struck home. And that was that, yeah, it might seem really risky to make a career change or quit your job. But what's more risky, quitting your job and having that moment of pain or staying in a career that you hate your whole life, that you're not happy in? Sure. And I said, bingo. (laughs) It was like a light bulb went on for me. I remember what exactly what I was doing at the time. So very cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's why I say there's an attitude I think that you can get from that book that that is that is helpful, right? right. But there's like, but well, don't don't take your relationship tips from uh, outsourcing Tim Ferriss. Yeah, just don't follow Tim Ferriss, you know, onto the front lines. <laughs> Somebody yeah. got an audio CD. Brian, you're an obscure music fan. Oh yes, this is a country album. Oh no, by Slim Dusty. Have you ever heard of Slim no, Dusty? I'm not that obscure. I'm not. I'm not like. It's so obscure. It's only got three customer reviews, That's... and they bought a country music CD of Slim Dusty. I mean, I bet this is actually awesome. <laughs> I would like to listen to it, but there's no place to click to hear a sample. But I'm going to check it out later. So thank you, Slim Dusty. I mean, there's like some classic 90s and that should that even be called classic. There's some 90s country that mm-hmm. I really dig. But like country is an area where my uh, uh, dilettante status in the music world does does not cross into. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so um, Ivory Snow Ultra Concentrated Liquid Detergent for your uh, washing machine. I'm surprised they don't have a coupon on this, because often they do. All right. (laughs) Uh, Lava Tools Javelin Pro Ambidextrous Backlit Digital Meat Thermometer. An (laughs) ambidextrous meat thermometer. You wouldn't think that's important, but I guess it is because, you know, if you're on the grill, you want to stab it from one direction or the other. Oh, so this, yeah. the, the thermometer thing like pivots or swivels. And this is a $50 meat thermometer, so they're not fucking around here. Wow. Happy <laughs> grilling. Luxardo Toshi and Fabri Amarana Cherries Sampler Pack. Amar- Amarana Cherries. <laughs> I don't know how you say it, but they're the cherries. Sorry, they Maraschino can't say it either cherries. when they're in their mouth. So, <laughs> you know, um, it used to be considered a, a, a sign of skill with one's tongue. Let's just oh, say that. if you could tie a knot in the cherry stem with your tongue, I can totally do that. You I've can. done it. Oh, oh yeah. you can. It I can literally tie a knot in the stem of a cherry with my tongue. <sighs> Not bragging or anything. Just, you know, no just announcing. Just, ben wow. Bova, The Exiles Trilogy. Ooh, Kindle edition. Awesome. A good book. Ben Bova is you love just ben one of Bova. the best. Yeah. You little Ben Bova. Ben Bova, baby. Ben Bova, baby. <laughs> ben Bova boyfriend. Now, Ben Bova is one of the masters of what they call hard science fiction, meaning that, like, 
this is really about serious science. There's no warp drives, none of that horse shit, you know, and, uh, he has like the, what's called the grand tour series, which is really enjoyable as well. That has to do with like each planet or moon Mm -hmm. in the, uh, in the solar system. Uh, Ben Bova is just one of the greats, one of the all time greats. And you can get all of his books on stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Yes. Philip's Norelco Multi-Groom All-in-One Series, 13 Attachment Trimmer. You have one of these trimmers, don't you? It's the bestseller in the beard trimmers category for 16 bucks. Uh, you have one like that, right? Yeah, Where you have the, like the attachments that yeah, can groom your hair or I have your beard. one like that. I have, so it's Phillips, very handy. Phillips came out with, it's called a one blade. Uh-huh. And I have been using this and it works really well. And what it, it's, it's electric and it doesn't have like, it looks like a, a, a safety razor, mm-hmm. but there's, it, it's, it's very hard to describe. It's like a flat piece. There's not like this edged blade mm-hmm. that you use, but it gives you an amazing shave and you can just put on a, a trimmer attachment, um, onto the it's again, it's not really a blade, uh, but you, you can put a trimmer attachment on it and you can trim your go to your beard or whatever. And, uh, it works really, really well. I've been very impressed. Like I, I it feels like a quantum leap in shaving technology that the one, the one blade. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, PCS, uh, stylish touch. Sorry. It's a pen for the Nintendo Wii U gamepad. It's a stylus. Oh, it's okay. a, actually like a four pack of styluses for six ninety nine. Styli for the Wii U, yeah, styli. And our last item, I saved this for last because I thought it was sweet. Ha ha! You'll see the pun in a minute. Boar's head brown sugar and spice ham glaze. Woo! <laughs> Somebody's getting ready for Thanksgiving. Somebody's yeah. going to cook a big ham. Now we bought ham from a friend who was raising pigs, and we roasted that sucker. And it was so good. We put mustard on the outside. You remember that? Yeah, it was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think I did, did. I handle the cooking of that because, like, I brought out the recipe and everything. I think we did it together. Yeah, it was but together. yeah, you pretty much took the lead on it. I but, think you know, we ate that for like we ever. did for over a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of a lot of a lot meat. of ham. It's yeah, just the two ham. of us. You know, I mean, we I mean, we can eat a lot, but shit, <laughs> that was a lot. It took us a while to work on that. So good thing we got the whole pig. And finally, before we go, we're going to do our item of the week review. Our item is going to be the No Better Foods uh, low-carb cinnamon cookie, Brian. We tried this cookie, and it was good. Yes. And it was low-carb. It was a huge cookie, soft, chewy. It really fills you up. It has a lot of protein. protein, And it only has like four net carbs. And usually low-carb cookies will give you... Oh, speaking, they'll make you need that article that we talked about, about having too much gas to have sex. They will give you horrible gas. But this one didn't. Like, nothing happened in the gastrointestinal department. So I was relatively pleased with that. So it's No Better Foods, um, K-N-O-W Better Foods. And we had the cinnamon cookie, but they have all kinds of other cookies that I want to try. Chocolate chip, uh, lemon. There's like, there's all kinds of of cookies and other stuff too no yes let's go have another one now all right cool anyway thank you so much for um being interested in the stuff that we talked about on the uh after show here on sex and science hour if you would like to get any of this stuff for yourself that you heard mentioned just go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and you'll be able to get it and you could be on our next after show and we might you know talk about your stuff on our next after show so uh thanks again for listening to the show Great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.